0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to pause uh, the Gospel of John for two weekends and be looking at biblical uh, community. This is something that has been on my heart and the heart of the pastors uh, for a while, the area of fellowship in our lives and the area of fellowship inside of our church. And then we'll get back into the Gospel of John after that. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of relationship. We thank you that you and of yourself are a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray that we could really see fellowship, relationship, community from your perspective, and that you would take us deeper into relationship with you and with one another. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Would you send your spirit to lead us and guide us in all truth? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Community has become the buzzword, isn't it? It seems like everywhere you go, you hear the word uh, community. It's being advertised. If if you join a gym, you're not just joining a gym anymore, you're joining a community. And in a lot of ways, uh, working out has morphed a little bit to maybe not doing it as an individual, but being together. And really what is being given to us in that is if you come and join this community that you're going to have all these needs met uh, in in your life if you're buying a cup of coffee you're not just buying a cup of coffee what they're really advertising to you is a community right this is a place that you can come in and have conversation and and get to to know uh one another if you're moving into a neighborhood right they're not just selling you a house they're advertising the community This is where all your dreams are going to come true and all the relationships that you need in your life are going to be met. And I think there's a reason for that, that we're seeing this upsurge in uh, community, and it's because we are relationship-deprived, aren't we? We're getting worse and worse as relationships, even though we're more and more connected. We have access to each other more than we ever have before. You know, I can send out something on Instagram or facebook or twitter and it can reach a lot of you in in just a just a moment you know in a text you can send and have communication through uh, whatsapp i can text kent in uganda my friend our, our missionary and he texts right back from from gulu uganda so we have this amazing access to each other but when was the last time you talked to somebody on the phone You probably have a few people in your life that when you call them, they don't pick up. But right after you hang up, you text them and they text you back, right? They're basically saying, I don't like talking on the phone, but I'm willing to be able to text uh, with you. And this is what I think that I've observed, uh, and this is my heart, is in this area of relationship is we've adopted a cultural view instead of a biblical view is we've taken what the world looks at in relationships and we've tried to bring that inside of the church instead of seeing relationship the way that God has laid out in the word. Because apart from Christ, relationships are primarily selfish-driven. So I'm really joining this gym community not to serve somebody else, not to meet somebody else's need in my life, but hoping that they're gonna meet my needs. You know, I'm really in this coffee shop because I wanna meet people and I need people in my life, but I'm not really looking to be able to, to serve them. Even in the way that we view our families, whether it's our parents or your siblings or your spouse or your kids, it's really easy to see that through a selfish perspective instead of God's perspective, which is all about being able to serve one another. So when we bring that worldly view into relationships, and inside of the church, a lot of times, we come up empty in relationships because we never got to that place of serving. And as we're launching these new small groups, these new connect groups, I thought that it was really important to take some time to look in God's word. Well, what does God's word say about relationships? Because if we don't approach these connect group, these small groups with an attitude of being able to serve, we're gonna come up empty every time. And it's not just a message about connect groups or small groups, but really about how we pursue relationships. Because once we get to the place of really wanting to serve others and doing that, that's when our cup gets filled, doesn't it? That's the mystery of God. That's the, that's the mystery of biblical community, is when I say, I'm gonna serve others instead of endeavoring to be served. So, Philippians chapter 2 really shows us God's heart for community, and it, it exposes the roadblock to community, which is selfishness. When Jesus approached relationships and people, he said this that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's consider that for a moment. He made the choice of saying, I am not desiring to be served, I didn't come into this world to be served. When Christ came into a group of people, he was not looking to be served. He wasn't looking for his needs to be met. But instead, he says, I came to serve. I came to be a blessing to others. I came to pay the price for them, ultimately upon the cross. So let's look at Philippians 2 verse 1. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit any affection and mercy. These are obvious yeses to this question. Is there encouragement in Christ? Yes. Is there comfort in his love? Yes. Is there fellowship in the spirit? Yes. Is there affection and mercy? Yes. Therefore fulfill my joy being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Paul here is really a father figure, a spiritual father, saying, I want you to fulfill my joy by loving one another, by being in relationship with one another, being like-minded, being on the same page, being in harmony of one accord. This is accomplished through the mind of Christ. It breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of a spiritual leader when the body of Christ is fighting with one another. It seems that Satan's attack upon the church, one of them is to try to get us to divide, amen? One thing I've observed over and over and over again is you'll find that we as believers at different points in our journey will get sideways with other believers and division starts to take place. In my mind, the whole book of Philippians is Paul is addressing a division that has taken place in the church of Philippi. There's two ladies fighting in church. Imagine that, right? So Paul builds the whole letter to get to chapter four to say, ladies, I need you to get along, but here's the the reason why. Because relationships are are so important to the Lord. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Let no thing be done through selfish ambition or conceit can see. I want you to hear this. Selfishness is homicide to relationships. Selfishness is homicide to relationships. What destroys relationships? Selfishness. Why are we not experiencing the kind of relationships that we desire in culture because they're selfishly driven? A lot of times, why do our relationships inside of the body of Christ feel shallow? Because They're selfishly driven. Why do we struggle in our marriages? It's because of selfishness. What erodes and destroys a marriage? A lot of people would say adultery, sexual sin. It's selfishness. Adultery is an act of of selfishness. When I only think about myself, my marriage is going to suffer. My relationship with the kids is going to suffer. My relationship with you is going to suffer. So here Paul says, don't let anything be done through selfish ambition or conceit or arrogance. A lot of times it looks good on the outside, but the inside is from a selfish motivation. So it may look like I'm serving you. It may look like I care for you, but deep down I'm expecting something back from you. So you may be serving your spouse But deep down, you're saying, I hope that my spouse responds and gives me this in return. It's so difficult to do the dishes and fold the laundry and not say anything about it. And just see if your spouse notices, right? And whether they notice or not, you're just doing it because you truly want to serve them. But deep down, we're going, I want them to notice. I want them to say, thank you for cleaning the kitchen, Thank you for for folding the laundry. For those of you that are parents, with our kids, we may think that we're serving them, but we need to examine, is there a selfish motivation there where we're expecting something back from them? In reality, there's this emptiness inside of us where we haven't looked to the Lord, where we're wanting our kids to be able to uh, validate us. You know, inside of the church and serving believers It could be this selfish motivation that says, I want to be loved. I want to be cared for. I want them to be able to to meet my, my needs. And God knows our hearts. And Paul understands how important this is. If we can put Christ first and put others first, then this is what brings in meaningful relationships. When I observe people, the people that have the best relationships are the ones that are selfless that really have come to a place of saying, I genuinely wanna serve, no strings attached, whether I receive anything back or not. This is how this is done. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So this is a humility of mind. It's the opposite of pride. And this humility of mind, you're looking at the person that you're spending time with and you're going, they're created by God. Jesus died for them, Jesus loves them. It's a privilege to be able to be in their presence. Now this is difficult to do because we size people up, don't we? And there's some people where we really value their time because we respect them. But if we're honest, there's other people that we don't respect and we tend to, to blow off. And that reveals some pride in our mindset. Another way of looking at this when the scripture says your mind, it's really the way you view the world. It's your lens. It's your your worldview. And to have this mindset of humility and understanding that each person is so valuable and it's a real blessing to be able to to spend time uh, with them. If we're honest, we have a lot of material in our lives to provide lowliness of mind. It's good to remember our sin, what God has saved us from, but also the sin of this week and the struggles that are inside of us, and realizing, man, this is real in my life, and because of this, it causes a humility, and then that lowliness of mind to esteem others better than ourselves. So here I am, maybe taking the time to invest in a small group, or going to men's study, or women's study, or spending some extra time in the foyer, or spending time with our families or friends or coworkers and to esteem them better than ourselves do you know for your friends uh, your family those that you're close to what's important to them today i bet we know what's important to us today don't we pretty quickly when i wake up in the morning i know what team eric's list looks like you know i'm thinking through what my desires are for the day but to think about, well, what's Amber's desires? What, what are her interests, needs, wants? What, what's going on in the kids' hearts and minds? What do they need help with? Or, or what are they longing to, to do? So to esteem them better than ourselves. And this leads right into verse 4. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. It's not wrong to look into your own interests. It's healthy. But don't just look into your own interests, but also the interests of others. Some of you may remember Chance. He was our worship pastor for six years and then took a worship pastor position in Texas. And his wife, Shelly, if you had the opportunity to get to know her, she was the master at this. She intentionally looked at every conversation of how to care for the interests of the person that she was talking to. And in getting to know her in Chance, I was asking her, you know, how did you learn to do this? And she said, my parents raised me this way. My parents taught me to ask questions and to talk about the other person more than I talk about myself. So she would ask, you know, what are you into? How's your day going? What? And she would think about ways to draw things out of people. And I never met somebody that didn't want to spend time with Shelly Real because she was looking genuinely at other people's interests. Even in conversation, how much time do we spend talking about ourselves? Talking about what we like to do or what we're bummed out about, but not taking the time to draw those interests out of, out of somebody else. Selfishness just runs so deep, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be nice to put selfishness to bed one time for the rest of our lives? Go, okay, I've dealt with selfishness. I've got this servant-mindedness thing down. But the reality of it is, is selfishness rears its head every day. And this is why Jesus tells us to take up our cross daily and to follow Christ. Selfishness has to willfully be nailed to the cross to say, I'm choosing to focus on Christ and I'm choosing to focus upon others. And the magnitude of this text is in verse 5, where we see this mindset lived out inside of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. This is the way Christ thought. This is the way Christ lived, is focusing on the Father and the needs of others. This is explained to us, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal God, but made himself of no reputation. Jesus is God but chose to make himself of no reputation, emptied himself. How did he take, how did he empty himself, making himself of no reputation? Taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Words cannot describe this. The incarnation of Christ, that God would be in human flesh, all God and all man. Deity meets humanity. And the reason that Christ did this is to be able to pay the price for our sins, to be able to to serve us. In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. So God becomes human flesh as a bondservant. Jesus lived his life as a slave by choice. I'm choosing to serve. I'm choosing to wash feet. I'm choosing to meet needs. But then is obedient humbled himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You may be saying, you know, this isn't for me. I am going to live in isolation. I'm not going to serve people. I'm not going to think this way. This is just farther than I want to go. I'm not going to humble myself or lower myself uh, to this point. And if I'm honest, my spouse really doesn't serve me at all. My kids don't care. My parents don't care. My siblings don't care. My coworkers don't care. My church doesn't care. Nobody cares. So why should I care? Because Jesus cared. Because this is the way that Jesus is calling us to live our lives and calling us uh, to be able to to think. I think in a lot of ways. What's the way out of despair? What's the way out of depression? Those struggles are very real. It's a willful choice to say I'm going to focus on Christ and I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to focus upon others. I'm not just going to focus on how I'm feeling and how I'm doing. I'm going to follow this path that Christ leads me on. And then Christ is exalted in verses nine through 11. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So we look at the roadblock to community. The roadblock to relationship is selfishness. But how about the importance of a community? Is it important for us to be in relationship with one another? The Apostle Paul, he liked to use two examples in his writings, in his epistles, is that we're the building of God and the body of God. Of Christ. When we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit individually, but we're connected to one another and we're the building of God collectively. And many times when we think about being the temple of the Holy Spirit, we only think about ourselves. And I think that's primarily because of our cultural worldview, of our cultural lens. In many other cultures, they don't think independently, they think as a family. So they go, is this best for the family? And it may not even be best for them in the, the long run, but it's much easier to say, I'm gonna make this sacrifice because this is needed for the family as a whole. And not just my spouse and kids, but also my parents and brothers and sisters. And, and that's just the, the way that they think. So when they get saved, They understand this in the context of the body of Christ, saying together we're the building of God. So how do my actions affect the body of Christ? How do my actions affect the the building of God? So we're joined together as the building of God. We're also joined together as the body of Christ. All these different members, all these different giftings, brought together collectively to be the body of Christ. So this isn't a solo thing. This is a together thing. This is a fellowship thing that God has has called us to. I wanna read to you a handful of one another verses in the New Testament. Love one another. If you wanna study this further, go to BibleGateway.com. It's free. It'll cost you just a few seconds. Type in love one another and begin to read all the verses in the New Testament that tell us to do different things with each other. Now, how do we live out the one another verses if we're not in relationship with anybody? Right? You can't do it. The Christian life really cannot be lived out without being in relationship with other believers. So there's things that we're really thankful for, like like the live stream. It's a great tool to to be able to to reach people and times when you can't be here to be able to to join on the live stream. If you're listening today on the live stream, I'm glad that you are. But we're hoping that the live stream is a bridge to being in relationship with with one another. If we're not ever in relationship with believers, we're missing out on something that's very important that God uh, calls us to. So here's a few of the one another verses. It says, so being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Romans 12.5. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Ephesians 4.2, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4.32, And being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Ephesians 5, and 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What's the potential in fellowship? What's the potential that could happen in our lives and in the lives of others if we're in relationship with one another? I look at Peter and John in the Gospels. They grew up together fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is a beautiful spot. We're called by Christ to follow the Lord as disciples. Peter denies the Lord three times while Christ is on trial. Decides after the crucifixion of Christ that he's going to go back to fishing. I'm going fishing. This is what Jesus called him out of. We don't see him returning to fishing until this point. John and a few of the other disciples stay with Peter in that moment and go fishing with him. Walk with him during this dark time. They fish all night. They don't catch anything. It's the early morning hours, and Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He asks the question, did you catch anything? No. And that's what happens when we depart from the Lord. There's there's emptiness. Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. And they have this huge catch. Catch when they cast their net on the other side. John goes, this is familiar. Looks closely. Remember, the crucifixion has happened. They're not expecting the resurrection. They're not expecting Jesus to be alive. And he says, it's the Lord. And he says that to Peter. He knows that Peter needs to know that Jesus is alive. Because if Jesus is not alive, Peter's dead in his sins. There's no hope for Peter. But if Christ is risen. That's everything. And that's all that Peter needed. And he jumped in and swam into shore and was restored in his relationship with Christ. See, I'm so thankful that God has given me a spouse who points me back to the Lord in my dark times. I'm so thankful for friends that point me back to the Lord. Say, it's the Lord. Eric, it's the Lord. right? right. We need a Peter in our life. We need a John in our life. We need someone who is willing to sharpen us. And we see this throughout the scriptures with Paul and Barnabas doing this for for one another. For Naomi with Ruth, David and Jonathan, all these examples of God using each other in our our lives. So as we're in relationship with one another, we're being impacted and we're also impacting others. Now, having known this and believing this, it's still a challenge to make the time for relationship in my life. It was 10 years ago, 2008, and we had just recently joined a small group with a group of friends, and it was going really well, and we were really enjoying it. But we made a decision at that point and said, we don't have time to be in this small group. There's just not enough time in the week to be able to make this uh, in investment. So we stepped out of the group and then a few weeks after we stepped out of the group uh, my wife had a miscarriage. She was about 11-12 weeks long in, in the pregnancy and then a little bit later she had another uh, miscarriage and we were wiped out and we were really hurting through that time in that process and we very quickly realized we need this community. We need this intentional fellowship with, with others. We called the small group and we said, hey, can we get back in? And they said, yeah, of course, you can, you can get back in. And now 10 years later, we're still in that small group. And it's changed some over time. And now the wives meet on Thursday night and us as men meet on Friday mornings. But it's been a lifesaver for me to have a place where I can be honest as a brother in Christ. I can share my struggles share my temptations, my failure, my sin and be able to experience prayer and encouragement and the challenge of of God's God's word. But I got to tell you, every Friday morning at 6:15, I don't feel like going. By that point in the week, I'm tired. But I'm always thankful when I do, when I get up and and I go because there's so much power and potential that takes place in fellowship and in relationship. The last thing we're going to look at this morning is our vision for community, our our church's vision for community. If you turn with me over to Acts 242. The vision that God's placed on our heart for our church is be, make and send disciples. Be a disciple, make a disciple and send a disciple to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ how that happens in our lives we primarily see taking place through acts 242 when the church began in its infancy these were the things that they continued steadfastly in so we believe these are important things in our church and in our lives that are going to help us to be able to be and make disciples and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. So the first thing is the Word of God. The Apostles' Doctrine is the Word of God. If you've come here for some time, you know how important the Scriptures are to us to study the Word of God, verse by verse, line upon line. Wednesday nights, we're going through the Scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. All of the various ministries in the church are are driven by the Word of God. Hopefully you're always gonna hear these words at our church, open your Bibles, right? We're gonna study it together. We're gonna study it individually because the word of God is sharp. It's living, it's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword and it's effective to do God's work in our lives. And notice the order. As you have the word of God first, then this births fellowship, relationship, to share Christ in common. And just as the word of God is important, also fellowship is important in our lives. The early church loved to get together with one another. They loved to spend time together, to pray together, to talk about what God was doing in their lives and talk about the scripture that they they were learning. This is intentional. This is something that they chose to do steadfastly and say, I'm gonna be in the word, but I'm also going to be in fellowship. Then breaking of bread is communion. It's part of fellowship, but it's more than fellowship. It's remembering Christ's broken body and his shed blood. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget my sacrifice upon the cross. And we want to be a church that's centered upon the cross of Jesus Christ. We take communion on Wednesday nights and also every third weekend of of the month, but it's not just about this ritualistic tradition, it's about our hearts being centered on Jesus and the fact that he died for our sins, that his sacrifice breaks the power of sin in my life. It seems that it's easy for churches to just get a little bit funky. Have you ever gotten into your car and you're like, man, there's just a funky smell in here. Like we left something in here that we should not have left. Or you open up the fridge and you're like, ugh, this smells disgusting or something wrong. And sometimes in a church, you, you go, man, it's just a little funky. Like, what's going on? It's gotten a little weird. And a lot of times, they've lost the appreciation, the dedication to the cross of Jesus Christ. They're not focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so breaking bread communion is that focus upon the cross of what he has, has done for us, and then prayer. And in all of these areas, we can grow in as a church and, and individually. And I'm thankful that we're a praying church, but we can always grow in this area of prayer. Uh, we begin every workday here in the office with prayer. We take a moment to be gathered together to be able uh, to pray. And there's a lot of different opportunities to be able to join together in prayer every time we're together we're praying in in some aspect but we can always continue to grow in prayer because prayer is is so important so how does this look in in our church how does this look in our church you might be saying how do i grow in a relationship so let me for a moment take off my teacher hat my bible teacher hat And put on my pastor hat is what I'm really sharing with you from my heart, and this really comes from our whole pastoral team, is I hope and I pray that you're in relationship with other believers. Now how that happens, I don't care. How that happens is irrelevant to me. What do I mean by that? Is if you are already connected in some type of fellowship group, praise the Lord. And it may be with believers from other churches, praise God, that's, that's God's design. It doesn't have to be RMC initiated or RMC, sanct, you know, sanctioned. If you've got believers that you gather with together in your neighborhood or at work or different relationships that you've had over the years, praise God, you know? And even look to pursue relationships with other believers organically as God provides in your life. That's the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit did that. But if you don't have relationship, and you're faithful to come here to RMC, as I would just encourage you to pray about investing somehow relationally with believers, whether it's inside of our church and outside of our church. Here's some avenues to be able to do it inside of the church is these new connect groups. And of those four things in Acts 2.42, I think we have been a little bit weak in fellowship. Not that fellowship isn't happening here, but we really haven't had an avenue uh, as strong as we would like for you to get connected uh, relationally. Men's and women's ministry has always been going well, and that's an easy place to be able to join in with relationships and men's and and women's ministry. But we haven't had as many small groups as we would like. And many of you at different times have said, "Man, I've wanted to be in a small group, but they've they've been full." So we've taken a step of faith. Pastor Sean's overseeing small groups, and there's 20 new small groups, connect groups that are beginning in February. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They're gonna be semester-based, meaning that they're gonna go from February to May, take a break during the summer, and then start back up in the fall uh, semester. And after two semesters, or one semester, if you decide, you know what, this, this wasn't for me, or my life has gotten busy, you know, you're committing to that one uh, semester of time. They're gonna meet twice a month, which I think is a, a great balance. It is hard to be able to, to find the time. Twice a month, primarily in homes, and they, each of the small groups look a little bit different. Some of them are young married. Some of them are focused on singles. Some are y'all come. You know, everybody's welcome uh, to, to be able uh, to, to come. So if you go to the church's website and you click under connect and then connect groups, Sean's done a great job where you see the 20 groups represented, the picture of the leader, what area of town they're in, and then you can click on a button and contact that leader to get more information or to say, hey, I would like to join the group. They're going to start after Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> We've learned that that's effective. <laughs> don't, don't mess with uh, Super Bowl Sunday. And there's an avenue to get in relationship. They're going to be based on conversation, talking about what God is doing in your life, some spiritual conver- conversation, the primary feeding time of our church is going to be on Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, and Wednesday nights when we get in the Word and we study it verse, verse verse by verse. But the connect groups are not going to duplicate what we do on Sunday morning in the sense of doing another verse by verse study. Because if you go to a connect group, you're going because you want to get to know people and you might sit there and listen to a 45-minute monologue and leave and still not know anybody. So come with this understanding of saying, this is going to be a place where I talk about what God's doing in my life, my victories, my struggles. There's always going to be a food element. Food is important for relationship. God's designed food to bring us together. Not always a meal, maybe, maybe something light or, or something uh, of, a, of a dessert. So pray about it. If you're saying, here I am in this church, I don't have relationship." Go to it and check it out and see, hey, this could be an opportunity for me to be in relationship. Pray about being in men's or women's ministry. Do a semester of study. One of the best ways to get connected relationally inside of our church is to serve. If you serve, you're going to get to know people. And the whole idea of church is going to go much deeper because you're involved. I've heard over and over again people said, I came here for years and I never knew anybody until I started serving. I could probably give you a list of 100 people right now. I'm looking at you, a lot of you that have told me that over the years, right? That is one of the best ways to be able to, to get to know people. Go to the website and, and look at, okay, here's how I volunteer. Fill out the volunteer application. If you're struggling in that process, we'll, we'll help you. But this is really my heart, and I believe that it's God's heart, is take the time to invest in relationship however that looks, however that looks, and really challenge the motivation of my heart in saying, am I pursuing relationship out of a selfish motivation or a Christ motivation to be able to serve others? Next week, Pastor Sean is going to come and teach us part two of biblical community, which I'm really looking forward to as God's given him a lot of vision for this uh, in our church. So let's stand together and let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Father, thank you that we can just talk about these things. And Lord, we do ask that you would challenge us and challenge us in this area of relationships and ways that we're selfish in relationships. And, and by your grace, would you grow us as servants of being willing to serve and to really live out Philippians chapter two, where we thank you for the, the fellowship inside of our church, the community inside of our church. And we do pray that that would grow, that people would feel more and more connected to you and to one another. So God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.